Welcome, fellow true crime enthusiasts, to today's case file off the mat, the death of Brazilian jiu-jitsu legend Leandro Lowe. Welcome to Body of Crime, your go-to true crime podcast, where we plunge headfirst into the gripping world of criminal mysteries. Join your hosts, Jose Medina, Crystal Garcia, and Alicia Anaya, as we deliver the full stories, immersing you in the heart of each case. With spine-chilling cases, in-depth analysis, captivating interviews, and a comprehensive examination of the evidence, embark on a thrilling journey with us as we explore bone-chilling cases from around the globe. Whether you're a seasoned true crime enthusiast or a fresh face in the genre, we guarantee to keep you on the edge of your seat. So put on your detective hat, grab your notepad, and get ready to dive into the thrilling world of body of crime. Brace yourselves for a chilling journey into the heart of darkness, where horror, skill, and life itself collide in a tragic tale that rocked not just the Brazilian jiu-jitsu community, but the world. August 7, 2022, a date that forever changed the landscape of Brazilian jiu-jitsu and left the entire globe in mourning. A date when the world lost a legend, a virtuoso of the mat, at the mere age of 33. Leandro Lowe, a name etched in the annals of history, suddenly extinguished. But this isn't just a story about the abrupt end of a champion's life. No, this is a story of pride, power, and a sinister darkness that descended upon the fateful night. Imagine a scenario so senseless it defies comprehension. A pathetic display of authority where a chest-puffing lieutenant of the military police dared to provoke a confrontation while off-duty and armed. But in the end, it was his ego that was subdued, his arrogance that was embarrassed, And in the midst of the twisted power play, a gunshot rang out, leaving a trail of agony and disbelief in its wake. Leandro Lowe, the embodiment of triumph and discipline, lay wounded, his life hanging by a thread, a gunshot wound to the head, and his assailant, a cold-hearted perpetrator who slithered away, leaving behind a scene of devastation that would haunt the world forever. But friends, this isn't just a tale of tragedy. It's a story of accountability denied justice twisted, and power exploited. A story where the very emblem of law and protection became a weapon of destruction in the hands of a cowardly snake. Leandro Lowe's legacy was not only stolen, it was tarnished by a system that turned a blind eye, a justice that slapped wrists while his assassin walked free. And with every step the perpetrator took, his violent nature flourished, his badge transformed into a license to impose his will upon anyone unfortunate enough to cross his path. Join me as we delve deep into the shadows, peeling back the layers of this chilling tale. We'll unravel the web of events that led to that fateful moment, expose the senator motives that propelled a coward to wield his weapon without hesitation. But remember this, in the heart of even the darkest of tales, there lies a glimmer of hope. The hope that by shedding light on the truth, we can hold those accountable who believed they could escape justice. 
So gather your courage, still your nerves, and prepare to journey with me into the heart of darkness as we uncover the raw truth behind the murder of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu's beloved legend, Leandro Lowe. Follow us into the chilling depths of a world where no one is a match for the cold, calculating venom of a coward with a gun. Close your eyes for a moment and let me take you on a journey through the life of a true warrior, a man whose name became synonymous with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu's greatness. We're stepping into the extraordinary story of Leandro Lowe Pereira do Nascimento, or as the world knew him, Leandro Lowe. Born under the sign of Taurus, Leandro's story began in Sao Paulo, Brazil with a mother named Fatima. Raised as the eldest child and the sole son, he grew up on the gritty streets of the east side of Sao Paulo, where life wasn't always kind. It was within these humble beginnings that Leandro's story would take a turn no one could have ever predicted. At just 14 years old, Leandro's life intersected with destiny. He stepped onto the mats of Projecto Social Lutando Pilobim, a program dedicated to offering a brighter path to underprivileged children. Little did he know that this decision, fueled by a desire to better his life, would forge his legacy and reshape the world of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu forever. Imagine a young boy, driven by passion, walking into the world of combat artistry. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, a discipline that the Gracie family had birthed and the U.S. military had adapted for hand-to-hand combat training, became his canvas. Under the guidance of Professor Cicero Costa, Leandro began to mold himself into a force to be reckoned with. In 2005, with just over a year of training, Leandro's hunger for victory propelled him to seize his first gold at the blue belt level. An accomplishment that reverberated through the International Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, the CBJJE Brazilian Cup, International Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Federation, but it was his evolution through the ranks that defined his greatness. A purple belt capturing the CBJJE Brazilian Cup, a brown belt securing the Brazilian Nationals twice, and finally in 2010, a black belt granted by his professor and mentor, Cesario Costa. In 2015, Leandro Lowe would found the new school, Brotherhood, on the behalf that the bonds formed on the mat go beyond jiu-jitsu and was well on his way to creating the next generation of legends in a school he dedicated himself to much like his original school. He dominated the competition scene, clinching and astounding 36 gold medals, 7 silver medals in major tournaments between 2011 and 2022. Seven, one in the opener, absolute class, International Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Federation World Champion titles adorned his name a testament to his unwavering dedication and unparalleled skills. Yet his legacy extended beyond statistics. With 268 victories and 55 submissions, his prowess was undeniable. The spider guard and the Toriando Pass became his signature moves and his name became synonymous with excellence. He would beat other legends in the sport such as Andre Galvao, Felipe Pena, Gilbert Burns, Gordon Ryan, and many more. Leandro Lowe's most remarkable feat, five IBJJF world titles across different weight classes. Light, middle, medium, heavy, heavy, and the open division. A feat accomplished by only a select few and a milestone that had eluded the world for two decades in 2020. His smile lit up rooms, his songs united people in chorus, and his dance could lift the spirits of anyone fortunate enough to witness it. But Leandro Lowe was more than a champion on the mats. He possessed a heart as vibrant as his spirit. The desire to give back that radiated from him, touching the lives of those around him. The legacy he built wasn't just about medals and acolytes, it was about changing lives, inspiring others, and becoming an icon who transcended the sport. Though the heart of a true legend whose impact stretched far beyond the mats he graced would be tragically cut short.
it was 20 years before somebody beat a record that was very big in jiu-jitsu and it was that somebody had competed in numerous weight classes and became a world champion in those numerous weight classes and the year that he was to beat that record he dislocated his shoulder i believe in his final match and so he didn't get that world championship title mm. so Buchecha told him that he wanted him to um, still do the open class or the absolute and he gave him the title they were going to be the match in the absolute division or in the open weight class and so Buchecha gave it to him and oh, so wow. he was able to reach that goal now after he came back from his injury he still went on to get another title as well so he went beyond that but buchecha was an important piece of that and they actually were friends already at this point but they had become really close friends the world jiu-jitsu is very community-based and you build relationships you spend a lot of time together especially when you compete because you travel you compete like there's a lot of relationships that are built there and it really teaches a lot of humility. And for people who aren't familiar with jujitsu, jujitsu is kind of like wrestling, kind of, with submissions and grappling and things like that. But it's based on a different set of rules than wrestling is. It's a very beautiful sport. It takes a lot of training. Like I think it takes 10 years to become a black belt, whereas opposed to in Taekwondo, you could become a black belt in like three years, I think it is. I think it's unique. He started jujitsu at 14 years old. He did. And one of the things that I think is really unique, he got his black belt, I think, fairly early. So he got his black belt in 2010, but he started in 2004. So six years. Wow. That's pretty fast. I think as more time goes on, people are getting their black belts a lot faster. Because I know of a few competitors right now who've had blue belts like two or three years ago when they're already black belts right now. Leandro Lowe started at 14, and you also, you started around 14, didn't you, Alicia? Yeah, I started at 15. 15? Okay. And the thing that's unique about that for people that aren't aware of how jiu-jitsu works is that a lot of people start jiu-jitsu very young. You can start as early as three for most schools, I'm sure. Maybe some schools allow for you to start earlier than that, but they'll be training all these years and then they'll move into an adult bracket. And if you just started training within the last couple of years, you're going against somebody who's basically had the amount of time or experience as a black belt, but you don't have as much training. And right. so it's pretty significant to come into jujitsu at that age and then to be so good and to beat so many people at, in so many different weight brackets, because he didn't just beat in his own weight bracket and move up in different weight brackets, but he also was competing and winning in the open class or the absolute division, which is against people of every weight. Right. And I know, Elisa, you've competed in a lot in higher weight classes and also in absolutes and things like that. What's the difference? What, for people who don't know anything about jujitsu, what is the difference? Why does that even matter? I feel like every weight class is pretty different from each other. Comparing absolute to my weight class, my weight class is one of the lower weight classes. My weight class is more technique, usually, and absolute is more strength. Like, the higher you go up in weight, I feel like personally, in my opinion, not saying this is true, is the less technique they use and the more muscle they'll try and use or just techniques that involve explosiveness or strength as opposed to being quick or thinking faster, yeah. like, like in a lower weight class. 
that's really actually a, a great call out. I never even thought about that. And I've I've competed at the higher weight limits. Actually, I've competed at the highest, <laughs> highest unfortunately. <laughs> and and it's very true. Ultra sexy. <laughs> <laughs> what you said is accurate because we do use a lot more strength at those weight levels. It is a lot less technical and more explosive. It may be not even technically less technical but maybe just a different set of techniques yeah but the reason why i like competing in different weight classes or just my weight class and then also doing absolute and no gi is just i really like whenever i have to adjust my game or adjust how i have to think during my matches and you do whenever you compete at different levels or gi versus no gi or your weight class versus absolute because it's not going to be the exact same you have to adjust how you respond to what your opponent is doing or you have to adjust the techniques you're using because your opponent is going to be a lot different in open class than your opponent's going to be if you're fighting at like featherweight. Right. The other thing too that I think is significant about his story is that the program that he entered into was for underprivileged youth and he took that opportunity and he ran with it. The professor that he had, which would be his trainer, his mentor in jiu-jitsu, um, was very well known and he really ran with that opportunity. He fell in love with the sport. He took advantage of it and he really worked hard. So for him to be the age that he did to move to black belt as quickly as he did, especially during that time frame, was definitely a, a huge feat for somebody and also shows his level of dedication to training to be able to be at a level to compete with people who have been doing it for years and are doing it, you know, three and four times a day every day. Picture this, a character whose very essence embodies treachery and deceit. His name, Enrique Otavio Oliveira Veloso, a serpent in a human form whose venomous actions brought down a giant, an eight-time international Brazilian jiu-jitsu world champion, Leandro Lowe. Enrique Otavio Veloso, a name that oozes with an eerie cadence, was no ordinary individual. He was a snake, albeit one walking on two legs, driven by a prideful purpose that ultimately led to a senseless tragedy. Born in the heart of Sao Paulo, Brazil, he wove a web of cowardice that would shatter the world of martial arts. Imagine a scenario where a serpent's envy takes the form of a bottle of alcohol, where a slithering figure preys upon pride. Leandro Lowe, an icon renowned for his mastery of Brazilian jiu-jitsu, encountered this serpent on that fateful day. The serpent's name? Henrique Otavio Oliveira Veloso. A perusal through the annals of his life reveals a pattern of change of job shifts, a tale of a restless soul. In 2012, his journey began, a journey that would lead him through at least six different jobs, eventually winding its way to a destination that suited his sinister nature, the Policia Militar da Estado de Sao Paulo, an institution where he likely found the comfort to pursue his sinister agenda. But this tale doesn't begin here. No, dear listeners. It was in the shadows of a past altercation that we glimpsed the true nature of the serpent. On October 27, 2010, Another club in Sao Paulo played host to an incident involving Henrique Otavio Oliveira Veloso and his friend, also a fellow officer, Luri Oliveira do Nascimento. When the law enforcement or security forces intervened, it was Veloso's fists and feet that was lashed out at the very officers attempting to restore order. A punch, a kick, the venom of violence dripped from his actions. He was subdued, disarmed, and even hospitalized. But here's where the story takes a twist and a turn. 
Despite his guilt in assaulting a fellow officer, repercussions were scarce. Punishment, it seems, was a concept foreign to his world and a negligence that would perpetuate what was to come. A purple belt in the same sport that Leander Lowe had conquered, Veloso boasted his proficiency in firearms, parading around as a self-proclaimed aficionado, even in his off-duty hours. His social media post painted a picture of a man enamored with his firepower. An Instagram photo, perhaps a chilling foreshadowing, showed him at a shooting range, his caption echoing ominously, firearms abolish the tyranny of the strongest and protect the integrity of the weakest. And so as we step deeper into this tale of a serpent, remember that sometimes the most dangerous predators don't roam the wild, they walk among us, wearing the mask of authority, brandishing their pride as a weapon. In the heart of darkness is where we find Henrique Ottavio Oliveira Veloso and his sinister actions colliding with the indomitable spirit of Leandro Lowe. We know that in Brazil, the culture there is very macho. It's very pride-driven and ego-driven. And it looks like he also did jiu-jitsu as well. It's important to understand the culture because I think part of it is the machismo of these guys. I think that it's important to understand that this is probably what kind of led to this altercation. And there was a little bit of hate going on. Well, and you know what's interesting is that somebody downloaded the actual police report that was done on the scene yeah. after they had taken Leandro Lowe away. And it's very different from what the witnesses around said. Mm. So the witnesses around had initially said that Veloso came over to the table, picked up one of the bottles of alcohol and was like waving it around like like a jerk, like just being just being yeah. a jerk, like trying to, you know, pump his chest out. And Leandro Lowe tried to de-escalate the situation and basically took him down in a manner to like, hey, like calm down and then released him to like, hey, like go go have a good time, get away from us. Yeah. Well, but the story that the official story that gets put in the police report when the police report is generated is that he put him in, a, in an arm bar. And the truth of the matter is, is that I don't see how in any way, shape or form can you for one, he was off duty with a firearm. It probably was his law enforcement firearm, which is a huge deal. But also, you didn't match the level of danger. There's no way for you to say that it was self-defense or anything of that nature. Because if, if Leandro Lowe wanted to choke him out, he could have done it and would have done it. So the fact that his pride was hurt and he then stood up and turned to walk away and then turned around, pulled his firearm out of his waistband and shot him. It just goes to show the type of individual that he is. And this was not his first fight either. Yeah. One thing to understand in Brazil is that there's a lot of police corruption. And it really bothers me that he had a situation back in 2017 that was very similar at a club. He didn't pull a firearm out, but he actually, it was him and a friend who was also a police officer who got into a scuffle with, with some guys, multiple guys. And when law enforcement was called and showed up on scene, he punched and was kicking one of the law enforcement officers and they actually ended up taking him to the hospital. They call people who do jujitsu peaceful warriors. It's because... Jiu-Jitsu allows you to restrain someone without inflicting injury. You fight someone who's a boxer, you're going to get your face punched in. You're going to get your nose broke. One of my professors right now at the school that I work at, in the kids' class, he says that almost every single time at the end of the kids' class is that Jiu-Jitsu is something you can do to hold somebody somewhere or just 
trap somebody, stop somebody without actually inflicting pain or hurting them. And so that's really important because it seems like Leandro Lowe could have broke his arm and didn't, which means he used restraint. He used control. He wasn't intoxicated. He wasn't drunk. He wasn't violent. He did something to hold him and stop him from doing what he was doing and to control him when he was out of control. And I think that's important because a lot of times people don't understand that jujitsu is a peaceful way of fighting someone when you don't have any other choice. It's a way to avoid inflicting injury to another person. It's a peaceful martial arts. And Leandro Lowe also had no history, any type of criminal history, any type of history of trying to use jujitsu as a means to beat up on people or to bully anybody. So he didn't have that type of background. And not to mention, he just, from everybody who knows him or knows of him or who has been around him, he was a very gentle-hearted, big-hearted person who liked to sing and dance. And there's a lot of videos of him like dancing around with his nephew that are really, really cute that just shows his personality, him doing karaoke and people singing along with him. He just was a nice person who was the kind of person that you wanted to be around. And here he would go against these guys in a match and he really was very humble and honorable. And he had a lot of very close relationships with these guys. Yeah. You know, Andre Galvao, they became friends as well. And he beat Andre Galvao. You know, these guys who you think are these these mean legends that win in, in jiu-jitsu and they hate everybody else, you know, that's not true. And so when this happened, this was a really big deal in the in the jiu-jitsu community for sure. I think from my experience with jiu-jitsu and my experience is limited compared to Alicia, but I would say that in competition, there is a competitive spirit. There is a, a little bit of competitive energy between two warriors who are getting onto a mat to compete against each other. But there's also the ability to build relationships because there's lessons learned. What has been your experience, Alicia, in terms of your competitors? Have you found it easy to befriend people that you've competed or do they become your mortal enemy? For me personally, competing, there has been a good amount of my opponents who just aren't humble. Even before the match, like even if I beat them, before the match, they're acting very cocky in the beginning. And I don't like people who are cocky and I don't like people who have egos because what's the point? That's not going to do anything extra for you. It just makes people around you not want to be around you. And then I've also had opponents who are just so nice and so friendly and we'll talk after. And I even have gotten some of their Instagrams and still talk to them. There's one opponent that I had. I've competed with her a few times and she's beaten me. I've beaten her, but she's so nice and she's so friendly. And I even trained with her once and she was just so welcoming. And it's so refreshing to meet people like that who are just so friendly and they love jujitsu the same way you do. And they want to share that instead of just being like kind of just mean and cocky and right. like get the fuck away from me kind of thing. <laughs> like I understand if you act that way before your matches and before tournaments, but afterwards, if you're still holding that energy, it's so toxic. But I've met both kinds, and I definitely think that the people who are friendly and you can tell that their love for jujitsu is just more than being cocky and competitive, they're the nicest people to be around. Another thing that I think is really unique about Leandro Lowe is that after he had gotten injured, he had had a pretty serious injury. So you're either a bottom player or a top player in jiu-jitsu generally. And he was a bottom player at the time. And so while he was recovering, he had to learn 
to play top. And when he did that, he became one of the most well-known, like having one of the best and most well-known passing games of anybody in the sport. And I think that's a beautiful thing because instead of giving up or being discouraged, he was resilient and learned to deal with it and found another way to still be successful. At the stroke of 2 o'clock a.m. on August 7, 2022, the vibrant city of Sao Paulo, Brazil, was aglow with life. Little did anyone know that this very night would etch a haunting tale into the pages of history with the legend's demise, the night the serpent struck, when Veloso, a man of sinister intent, would forever alter the course of Brazilian jiu-jitsu history. Leandro Lowe, a name synonymous with victory and honor at the tender age of 33, was relishing the atmosphere of a concert at a Sporte Club Sirio. Laughter, camaraderie, and music echoed in the air as Leandro and his friends immersed themselves in the night's festivities. But little did they know that lurking amidst the revelry was a snake, not of the reptilian kind, but a man whose venom would soon stain the very essence of this joyous night. Veloso, an embodiment of pride and aggression, slithered into the scene. In a brazen display of arrogance, he seized a bottle of alcohol from the table where Leandro and his friends sat, a mocking grin on his lips as he taunted them. The atmosphere turned tense as the serpent's antics escalated. But Leandro Lowe was not just a legend on the mats. He was a man of honor and restraint. With a heart dedicated to de-escalation, he approached the situation, seeking to quell the rising storm. In a swift movement, he subdued Veloso, expertly guiding him to the ground. For a moment, it seemed the tempest might be quenched. Right here is when darkness unveiled itself. As Leandro Lowe released his grip, offering Veloso a chance to retreat, the serpent showed his true colors. In a malevolent twist of fate, Veloso rose, drawing a handgun from his waistline with cold intent, a single shot at point-blank range, echoed through the night as it struck Leandro Lowe in the forehead. Imagine the horror that unfolded as Leandro Lowe fell, the world around him shattering in an instant. The legend, the icon, lay wounded and unconscious, blood staining the ground beneath him. As chaos ensued and frantic calls for help filled the air, the serpent did not linger. Like a shadow, he slithered away into the night, leaving devastation in his wake. Leandro's friends, in a desperate scramble, sought help. An ambulance raced against time to reach the fallen warrior but fate had other plans. At the hospital, municipal detour Arthur Ribeiro de Saboya in Jabacara, Sao Paulo, Brazil, Leandro Lowe would breathe his last breath, his legacy extinguished by the venomous strike of a snake in human guise. The news spread like wildfire, a community's heart shattered, and the flames of rage ignited. A wave of anger surged through the streets as outraged voices demanded justice. And in the face of an uprising, the serpent turned himself in. A hollow victory that offered little solace to a grieving world. There are still some videos out there. A lot of the videos have been removed of when Leandro Lowe was being taken out of the club. But something that really bothers me is that I I didn't see them doing really any life-saving measures. I didn't see, 
his face was blurred out and I, I could see one of the guy's arms there, but I couldn't see a bag. Like I couldn't see that they were ventilating him or anything. And one of the things, and this could partly be because of the, the language difference as well, but they mention him being brain dead when they pronounce him. And typically that's not a terminology that we use here in most cases, but it's fitting if nobody was doing anything with him and the ambulance was also confused. So when they were moving a stretcher, people were having to tell him like, Hey, no, go this way. So I think there was a large portion of time where he wasn't receiving the care that he should have been receiving, which I think is very tragic. The golden hour. It's like five minutes is a good time frame for starting to have symptoms that they would say are symptoms of being brain dead. Right of your body being without oxygen. As we reflect on this chapter of our journey, we find ourselves facing a crucial juncture, one where justice teeters on the precipice of realization. The threads of our narrative led us to a date that was meant to mark the beginning of justice, February 3rd, 2023, the day when the first trial jury was set to convene. However, fate had other plans as the trial was postponed to March 24th due to a conflict in another case. Our pursuit of justice has been met with delays, but our resolve remains unwavering. Yet in the midst of this wait, a disheartening development unfolded. On March 21st, 2023, we learned that Beloso, the man responsible for Leandro Lowe's tragic fate, was granted a request to resume his salary while awaiting trial. Judge Marcio Faraz Nunez's decision accepting this request sent shockwaves through our pursuit of justice, leaving us with a sense of disbelief. Adriano Salasvani, Leandro's attorney, aptly labeled this decision as a slap in the face of the family and of society. However, amidst these challenges, there are glimmers of remembrance and hope. On what would have been Leandro's 34th birthday, a bittersweet tribute was paid to the legend. Posthumously, he was inducted into the International Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Federation Hall of Fame, an honor bestowed upon him at the 2023 IBJJF World Championship in Long Beach, California. In a poignant moment, his mother, Fatima, and his sister stood before a crowd of fellow practitioners united in emotion, accepting the award on his behalf. Then on July 15, 2023, Mayor of Mogi das Cruces dedicated a martial arts center in the community, also one for underprivileged youth like he started his journey in, in his name. His mother remarked, always proud of our champion, beautiful and named after our champion. What do we know about the trial? Can you recap that for us? So initially they had set up the trial for sometime in February of 2023 on February 3rd and they ended up moving it. And the reasoning for moving it was that Veloso's attorney said that there was some conflict where he needed to be in another court or one of them needed to be in another court. I honestly don't know which one it was, if it was the attorney or him and because of that, they moved it. And so when they moved it within just a few days of moving it, when they were set to go in, he had submitted through his attorney a request to still be paid while he was in jail. And what's really strange to me is that after he was arrested, apparently they have a special jail for police officers. Their, yeah. yeah. And so that's where he was placed at was there. And he's get, receiving his full pay as if he's still working on the force a year later. That's so, crazy. I think it's crazy, but I know that everybody's excited to see this guy go to trial and be found guilty and for Leandro Lowe's family and the community to have some sense of justice being served. And I think the only way that that's going to happen is to hold him accountable. But let's be honest, he's a police officer. He's not going to get anything. 
the night that the incident happened and he fled from the scene. So he didn't turn himself in until the next day. Honestly, I think he got scared. Obviously, he was a coward. And I think that he got scared because immediately the jiu-jitsu community, and you're talking about this, he's a hero in Brazil. So you've got all these Brazilians who are like, hey, where's this guy at? You know, Leandro Lowe has passed away. You've got the jiu-jitsu community upset. There's a lot of people who do jiu-jitsu and really good jiu-jitsu in Brazil. So I'm pretty sure that he got scared. And that's probably why he turned himself in. But that night after the incident took place, there was actually a lot of members of the community who went to the police station and were outside protesting, upset, you know, wanting to probably take that place out. (laughs) Again, to, to Alicia's point, there's a lot of corruption in Brazil with the police department. So I'm sure sure that's what they were all thinking. They were like, you're not going to cover this up. We're going to make a big deal about this. You're going to hold this guy accountable. Right. Because you have somebody who grew up in that community who was underprivileged, like I'm sure a lot of these members of probably the law enforcement are there. And he made something of his life and he really shined a good light on Brazil, on the people, on everybody. And so I think that they have a duty to do the right thing. And I hope given, you know, we know that there's corruption there. There's corruption here, too. You know, we hope that they will do the right thing. As we conclude this episode of our podcast. Let us remember that justice is not a single destination, but a continuous journey. Every voice, every effort matters in the pursuit of truth and accountability. Leander Lowe's legacy compels us to seek a world where darkness is confronted with unwavering resolve. We thank you for joining us on this gripping expedition into Off the Mat, the death of BJJ legend Leander Lowe. Let us stand united, stay vigilant, and continue to uphold the values of justice and truth until we meet again. And that's a wrap on today's investigation, fellow detectives. If you found this episode both enlightening and captivating, then please subscribe to our podcast show and our Patreon. Leave a review and hit that like button. Share our podcast with others and engage with us on our website and social media platforms. You can find us on all major podcast platforms as well as our website at www.bodyofcrimepodcast.com where you can access all of our episodes and bonus content, including valuable resources. By expanding our community, we believe we can make a greater impact in our pursuit of truth and in shedding light on crucial cases. If there's a case that you'd like for us to cover or a personal story you'd like to share, please don't hesitate and contact us through our website. We always welcome your feedback and suggestions. Until next time, stay sharp, and thank you for tuning in to the Body of Crime Podcast. Podcast. Bye.